0: to southern sisters radio the show for southern women and the men who adore them join us as we celebrate life from a southern point of view here's your host author founder of southern sisters home and true southern sister jenny mccormick Earhart. hey everyone and merry christmas welcome to the southern sisters radio program yes the show for southern women and the men who adore them adore us I'm telling you, this is a big weekend. It is. Right, right.
1: Christmas is here. Christmas is
0: here. Are you ready?
1: (laughs) Uh, I will be up very late wrapping.
0: Will you? Yeah. You know, I have a solution to the wrapping issue. I've spent a lot of years. I won't give my age, (laughs) but I've spent a lot of years wrapping presents. You can imagine with four Children, Mm. how many, you know, when they're younger, you typically have a larger quantity of presents because they're typically cheaper. Yes. You know what I'm saying? A little tyke's toy. Mm -hmm. When they get older, you know, the the gifts themselves become more expensive. So therefore, the quantity diminishes. Very true. Such things
1: to wrap up.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I've been wrapping presents for years and years, as probably all of my wonderful listeners have, too. But I got a solution this year. Um, I have a dog sitter. She's wonderful. <laughs> I remember she,
1: you mentioning that. Okay.
0: She is, I love her. She's the only one I'll trust to leave my, you know, sweet dog Dixie with when I'm out of town. But she, uh, she happened to mention to me the last time she dogs sat that she was very good at wrapping presents. And I'll tell you, she's reasonably priced. So of course I'm sitting there thinking, she's telling me this. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden this little angel appears on my left shoulder and says, oh, You could give her some business over Christmas by having her wrap all of your Christmas presents, right? (laughs) And then the little devil appeared on my other shoulder and said... What the heck are you thinking? <laughs> you do not need to be wasting money having somebody else wrap your Christmas presents. Right? So Which the angel, one did
1: you listen to? The angel,
0: the angel of course. I said, I said, so I said to her, Becca, if you're good at wrapping presents, how about you come and do mine? So she's coming to my house. Yeah.
1: Very nice. There you yeah. go. That's she's one gonna... way to get it taken care of. <laughs> or she, she
0: did. By the time the show airs, she has come to my house and wrapped all my Christmas presents and cost me all of maybe 30 bucks. Totally Best worth it. Best $30 I ever spent. <laughs> Yes. My
1: solution for wrapping is just buying the bags and the tissue paper from the oh. dollar store and putting everything in a bag.
0: Nick, you are such a guy. <laughs> hey, at least you don't news, use uh, newspaper.
1: Very true. You know, some
0: guys just wrap them up with a newspaper.
1: And the other benefit? Yeah. Santa doesn't rap.
0: Santa does not rap. Santa
1: does not That's rap. That's one of
0: the reasons I'm a big fan <laughs> of Santa. He just sets them out because, you know, he pulls them right out of his big bag, of you course. know, already just as they are. Yes. Yeah.
1: Sits in there under the tree.
0: It's Christmas time, folks. I say we give away some cookbooks. Yeah, there Merry you go. Christmas Merry cookbooks, Christmas. right? And you know what? We're going to let everybody choose whether they'd like a copy of my first book, Sunday in the South, or a copy of my second one, Seasons in the South. Let's be generous this year. We're going to give away four. Oh, four. Uh, four. We're going to give away four cookbooks. That's right. We're going to send them to you. And guess what? I'll personalize the inside to you or to your loved one, whoever will be receiving the book. All you have to do, guys, is shoot me an email. Radio at SouthernSistersHome.com, right?
1: Radio at SouthernSistersHome.com. Yes.
0: And my sweet office administrator, Jeanette, who also happens to be the mother of my dog sitter. Oh, there how about you go. that? It's all—it's all in the family at Southern Sisters' home. Um, she will uh, take your name, and she will make sure that that cookbook gets out to you. And she'll bring bring it to me first to sign it. Awesome. How about that? There you go. Merry Christmas, the everyone! Perfect
1: little Christmas present for yourself, mm. or a belated gift for a loved one. right? Indeed, there you go. it's a good
0: idea. Well, Christmas shopping, guys. Let's talk about that. All right? Is it mm. done? It better be. It
1: better be. Yeah. You
0: know what I'm saying? <laughs> my goal this year, and it was a lofty goal, was to try to do all my Christmas shopping without actually physically entering a store
1: Mm, that's hard well even still in today's society it's difficult
0: it is difficult it was easy on the bigger items Mm -hmm. the gifts themselves it was it's more difficult when you're talking about going shopping for the wrapping paper the bows (sighs) and the stocking stuffers Mm -hmm. now i have a a great business concept here someone needs to come up with stockingstuffers.com right where you can just go to this website Right. Yeah. It'd be kind of like Amazon, but just for stocking stuffers, you know, little things, yeah. candy and whatever little baubles you want to stick That's into the stock. That's a great idea. Isn't it? Just load it up, you know, load up your cart with all the stocking stuffers and check out and have it just appear at your door two days later.
1: We could even like set it up, you know, stocking yeah. one, stocking two, and yes. have it preset. That's awesome. Right? Isn't that's that a, a great idea? That's smart idea, idea Jenny.
0: Uh, that's all right.
1: I'd take care of we, and do we, something like that. You just before. told everybody about it,
0: though. You <laughs> <laughs> just given the idea away. <laughs> well, what do I want for Christmas? I was thinking about it this week as I've been doing a lot of online shopping. And I bet you guys have too, right? Have you been? <laughs> have you burning up the keyboard on Amazon? <laughs> You know the UPS and the postal
1: service man know exactly where you live now every
0: time they come and, and Dixie I said I had a conversation with Dixie my dog yesterday and I said listen that UPS guy has been here six times this week. I would think by now you would know who he is and quit barking at him because it's you know how Dixie reacts and she typically is not a barker except mm-hmm. for when someone comes to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no difference between a an axe murderer coming through the front door and the UPS man. She treats
1: them both the same. She just wants to make sure that you know you know just in case it is an all you know
0: five alarm you know thing here. She is, she freaks out so we know that when. You, we know when UPS is coming. I know before he even gets to the front porch <laughs> that he's here. Uh, no, what I really would like to do as as a as an un uh, I guess an unwanted byproduct of shopping online and my listeners I guys I know you know this is true every time you buy something online from a website they got your email address uh yeah right so immediately I now my inbox is full of marketing materials from you know said businesses that I may have purchased Christmas presents from this week so I usually at some point uh, pour myself a cup of coffee and sit down and have an unsubscribe party (laughs) Right?
1: You have to, I just go through
0: every one of them and unsubscribe mm-hmm. to every one of them. Yeah. It's annoying. That's, that's what a, I want. That's
1: a good idea for a, a little event, the week between yeah? Christmas and New Year's, is yeah. have your friends come over, everyone bring their laptops and yeah. iPads and have an unsubscribe party with pour, some cocktails. Pour a glass of wine go. and just,
0: <laughs> just start unsubscribing from everything. I'm you telling you. You to this one, too? Right? <laughs> and do they not clog up your inbox? Oh, my goodness. It's insane. You it's... know
1: you got too many when you get 100 emails in a day.
0: Right? Well, I, 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 that's <laughs> So true, and let me tell you guys, they have all these tricky ways of trying to get you to open the uh, open the emails, mm-hmm. right? Like I got one from I was I got one this morning from Bath and Body Works, and basically the subject line was just "Open this now." Dot dot dot. Trust us. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and delete. <laughs> delete. <laughs> that one went away. <laughs> I I, hey, I had fun this week though. I got to tell you. um... Uh, my best BFF, Pam, you guys may remember a few weeks back, mm-hmm. she came and co-hosted the uh, the show with me. We've been best friends since we were 14 and 15, right? That's awesome. I was 14, <laughs> which means I'm perpetually younger than she is. She came over and she said to me that she had not baked in 11 years. What? I love my BFF, but she's, let's just say she's not exactly Julia Childs. <laughs> okay. So she, I said, what do you mean you haven't baked in 11 years? She goes, I haven't baked. I go, Nothing. She goes, well, does the Toll House cookie dough that you cut, does that count? I said, in a perfect world, maybe. I I said, no, not really. So she said, well, why don't we get together and bake? So she came over yesterday. Awesome. Were we adorable? We had our glasses and wine. We had our cute little matching aprons. Uh, And we baked molasses crinkle cookies for about four hours. And we baked fudge. Mm. And then we kind of split it up. So she took some home with her to take to her family. And I've got some. You know, for you my go. family. And she can Ooh. say
1: that she made it. She doesn't have to say that she had an expert
0: helper. No, I didn't. I, <laughs> I really didn't do that much. I, I surveyed her, you know, and she's uh, she was very deliberate. I think she was afraid of messing up in front of me. She kept saying <laughs> So anyway, not only does Pam come over to Christmas Bake with me, but she's, um, she's the proud owner of, uh, of two adorable little toy poodles. Right. Oh. So she had said to me ahead of time, can I bring the dogs? And I was like, uh, okay. Yeah, you can bring the dogs. So she arrives. Now, bear in mind, God love her little poodles. They are precious, mm-hmm. Bella and Teddy, and they are adorable. One of them was a rescue, and he has a few little issues. Oh. And so let's just, I won't describe the issues on the air. I will just say that he arrived at my home wearing a diaper.
1: Oh, no. You get the picture? Yeah.
0: Those kinds of issues. So she uh, she assured me he wouldn't have any accidents. It was the other one that didn't, wasn't wearing a diaper that, you know, very quickly christened my house when she oh. arrived. And, of course, Pam's like, Goodness. she's just marking her territory. That's, That's all she's awful. doing. I'm like, I'm like my house is not...
1: It's <laughs> not territory. <laughs> no. No, my Oriental
0: rug is not her territory. Oh, no. <laughs> but I do love my BFF, so I put up with all of this. Folks, it's going to be a great day on the Southern Sisters radio program. Boy, have we got some fun. Oh, man. We have some Southern Sisters Christmas facts that you uh, you will enjoy sharing with your your guests at your yeah. holiday gathering. We have got a classic Christmas dinner. We're mm. going to do a standing rib roast. Oh,
1: that's and
0: it's that's not exciting. hard. I'm going to tell you the tricks. We're going to make it easy. We've got a fabulous Southern narrative, right from Truman mm. Capote, a Christmas memory. We're going to share that at the end of the hour, folks. We're glad you're here spending time with us on this holiday weekend, and we'll be right back. Southern Sisters Radio Program. Ah, let it snow. You know, that's just not something we can count on in the South, no. is it, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. Oh, what I wouldn't give to wake up and have my, you know, my lawn dusted with white snow. Once.
1: Mm. Once, We, we right? did have it.
0: Yeah, I do remember it.
1: I've lived here my whole life and I've seen one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Typically, we, we delay until January for our, you know, snowpocalypse. Ha <laughs> ha!
1: A whole inch and a half. <laughs> you know, I know, right?
0: You know, considering how poorly we tend to handle those types of things here in the South, it's probably better that we don't have it at Christmas time.
1: Uh, very true.
0: <laughs> Put a damper on a lot of holiday plans, I think. But guys, we are going to talk today about one of my favorite classic uh, Christmas dinners. And this is an, actually a relatively easy meal to whip up. Um, this was a tradition in my home as I was growing up. We always had beef at Christmas. And I know a lot of different families have different traditions. You know, some folks are ham. You know, mm-hmm. I have a dear friend. It's an Italian day for them at their house. Uh,
1: my, I have a friend who does mm-hmm. the same, and it's interesting.
0: It's whatever your preference is, and this yeah. meal is great any time of the year. In my home, it was our classic, uh, our classic Christmas dinner. We're going to be uh, sharing that recipe of the, mm. all of them actually in the oh. menu with us. We've got a standing rib roast, and mm. you know, a lot of folks are intimidated by the concept of preparing a, a, a rib roast, which, of oh, course, yeah. as we know, is prime rib, mm. which is. Heavenly, in my opinion. Is there anything better? I just, a good cut of beef. And listen, you Southern women out there, you know a good cut of beef. Oh, yeah. I talk about that in my books often. (laughs) I said, you know, a good Southern woman is not going to just restrict her diet to salads (laughs) and foofy food, right? A good Southern woman knows how to sink her teeth into a good cut of beef. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I serve it up with a little horseradish cream Mm -hmm. and some roasted fingerling potatoes, which are delish and simple. We're going to talk about that. We're going to round out our meal with an iceberg wedge salad with a chunky blue cheese dressing and top it all off, folks, with a dark chocolate cream pie. Beautiful. And wow. you, you know, some people think this is a rather formal menu. It doesn't have to be. I mean, my house will serve this in you know, I'll be wearing blue jeans and whatever <laughs> a really I? tacky Christmas sweatshirt.
1: <laughs> sound fancy? That's not the point. It tastes. Delicious. It tastes
0: heavenly. And I want to tell you guys something. When it comes to cooking a big rib roast like this, I don't want you to be intimidated. All right. I want you to you know get your get get your guts about you. Right. Jump mm-hmm. into that kitchen. Tell that rib roast who's boss. Right. <laughs> now listen to this. 20 minutes to the pound plus 20 minutes more is a phrase I heard my grandmother repeat time and time again when she was referring how to roast prime rib to the perfect medium rare. Now, if you prefer a more scientific method, you can use a meat thermometer to ensure that your roast is anywhere from a, let's say, 140 to 145 degrees. That's for medium rare. Mm -hmm. If you prefer medium, go to 150 to 160 degrees. Okay, you can use your little meat thermometer. No shame in that. Right. Mm. Take the guesswork right out of it. Now, due to its tenderness, prime rib is typically used. um, It cooks by dry heat. It's a Mm. dry heat roasted, meaning it's not going to be covered and no liquid is going to be added to the roasting pan. We're not steaming this thing. You got it. All you need is one standing rib roast about anywhere from five to seven pounds. And you need some salt and pepper.
1: That's it? It, That's it. That's it.
0: Now, preheat your oven to 350 degrees. You're going to line a roasting pan with aluminum foil, right? And what I like to do is prepare the roast by separating the roast from the bones, not completely. A butcher can do this for you. This is one of my favorite tricks. You can take a sharp chef's knife and kind of go in and just kind of cut along that line there between the meat and the bones. Mm -hmm. Cut almost all the way through, but not all the way. Keep mm-hmm. the roast together. Keeping it attached to the bones is going to ensure that your roast is super tender. Those bones impart a lot of flavor when you're roasting, mm-hmm. right? But you can tie it with uh, with roasting twine or chef's twine to kind of keep it together. So what you're going to do is bake it. Oh, oh, first, folks, generously salt and pepper the roast. Place it in the roasting pan and bake it 20 minutes to the pound plus 20 minutes more. You'll have a perfect medium rare. That's about two hours and 20 minutes for a six-pound roast. Always allow your beautiful roast to rest before you carve it. Okay, Mm. don't cut into it when it's too hot or the juices are going to run right out. Serve it with some horseradish cream. Mm, That sounds delicious. It's glorious. It's glorious. Now, my horseradish cream, I just kind of whip up in a small bowl, a half a cup of sour cream, three tablespoons of prepared horseradish, and a half a teaspoon of salt, a dash of pepper. Just kind of whisk that up and serve that alongside. Mm. Now, for those of you that like your eyes to water just a little bit, you can go a little heavier on the horseradish. That's what I'll do. Mm. Now, how about we put alongside this some roasted fingerling potatoes? So this is simple. You can use little baby potatoes, new potatoes. So whatever is pretty and looking good in the grocery store, mm-hmm. I love the little fingerlings. I usually get a two-pound bag of these potatoes or a two-pound bag of Yukon Gold red potatoes. And I cut them into medium-sized chunks if they're particularly big, right? You need one chopped medium onion and about four tablespoons of olive oil. Now you're going to place your um, your potatoes and your chopped onion on a large baking sheet. Drizzle it with some olive oil. Right, toss it together till the, the, uh, the potatoes are thoroughly coated with the oil. Sprinkle generously with salt and pepper. Roast them for 25 to 30 minutes in the oven at 450 degrees. Uh, tossing once during cooking. Mm. They are wonderful. I'm telling you, you just kind of, they have a kind of a rich, nutty flavor. And when you roast fingerling potatoes, you know, like the edges of the potatoes will crisp up while the interior is still kind of smooth and creamy. So perfect. So Yum. Oh my! Now our next dish to go along with our Christmas menu is—I like to call this a man salad. (laughs) A man salad. Some people call it a fork and knife salad. You know, I know that my husband has a particular affinity for iceberg lettuce. Mm. Anything else, he kind of refers to as—he refers to it as a flower garden. Rabbit food. That's what he calls it. (laughs) That's what he calls it. I'm kind of offended by that. that Crunch. I know. I know. I've come to understand you men and your (laughs) affinity for iceberg lettuce. All you need with this, guys, one head of iceberg will make four. Servings. So let's say you got eight people coming to dinner for Christmas dinner. You're going to need two heads of lettuce. All right, two heads of iceberg, cut into quarters. All right, you're going to place these each quarter right mm-hmm. on 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 an individual salad plate. Right, each one. You're going to drizzle it with my chunky blue cheese dressing. This could not be easier because you prepare this in a blender. Right, you're going to process until smooth a half a cup of mayonnaise, a half a cup of sour cream, one third cup of milk. And a four ounce container of crumbled blue cheese. You could also use the gorgonzola. Mm-hmm. One half teaspoon of salt and two teaspoons of lemon juice. Just, just blend that up till nice and smooth. Drizzle that over each wedge. Then sprinkle with some crumbled bacon. Typically, for that number of servings, I will I will cook up until crisp, about four slices of bacon. I, I like to put a little chopped tomato on there. You got the whole red and green thing going on for mm-hmm. Christmas. That'll be pretty. And then a little extra crumbled blue, blue cheese on top. This is a fabulous salad. Sold. This is a classic, right? Sold. Yeah. Those <laughs> are the
1: best kind. You'll eat that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I think, honestly, yeah. when I think iceberg yeah. wedge. Yeah. That's first, just like that. The
0: nice chunky cheese, the nice bacon. Yeah. Oh. Cold and crisp. Oh. It just, all the textures are nice. It goes so well with the prime rib oh, absolutely. and the fingerling potatoes. Absolutely. Now, my dark chocolate cream pie is the way to wrap up this meal, folks. <sighs> I am telling you, you will love this. If you want to take a shortcut and use a ready-made pie crust, well, this is a judgment-free zone here. <laughs> Because I often do that. <laughs> I often do that. But you want to pre-bake your pie crust. Now, how you do that is by baking it at three hundred and fifty degrees. You wanna weight the center of the pie crust down with something. Like lay some aluminum foil in there and throw in either some pie weights, or you don't even have to go buy those. You could use beans, mm-hmm. dried beans or something like that. Bake it for about 20 minutes, right? Um, you just wanna kinda pre-cook that that pie crust. What you're gonna do now is you're gonna combine one and a fourth cups of sugar a fourth a cup of cornstarch, and one teaspoon of salt in a large saucepan. You're going to add three cups of uh, whole milk, right? We're not watching our way to Christmas. No. Go for the whole milk, right? And three ounces of unsweetened chopped chocolate. Cook that over medium heat until the chocolate is melted and the mixture is slightly thickened. You're going to reduce the heat and continue cooking it for about four minutes. Now remove it from the heat. Got it? Now in a separate bowl, you are going to... um, Beat four eggs together, right? Add about a half a cup of the chocolate mixture and stir, right? Then what you're going to do is you're going to add the eggs to the saucepan, bring it to a low boil, and stir continuously for four minutes, right? Then Mm -hmm. you're going to stir in a fourth of a cup of butter and one teaspoon of vanilla. May I make a quick suggestion to Santa Claus? And Santa Claus would be treating you really well if he left you a little bottle of Madagascar vanilla in your stocking. Oh, oh it's so good. It's my favorite. Madagascar vanilla? Madagascar vanilla is yeah. the best. Mexican vanilla is also wonderful. You know, one time one of my children brought home uh, a bottle of Mexican vanilla from a mission trip. They had bought it off of a man who was riding a burro. <laughs> That's another story. How perfect is that? (laughs) (laughs) Quick, guys, we got to finish up the recipe. You're going to pour this into your pre-baked pie shell and cool it, right? Then you're going to chill it for two to three hours. I would then top it with some whipped cream, right? You're going to place one pint of whipping cream in the bowl of an electric stand mixer add about a fourth of a cup of sugar and whip it good, whip it. Whip, whip it. it good. Yeah, good. <laughs> Until you've got some soft soft peaks there. Then you're going to spread the cream over the top of the chilled pie and I love to garnish it with a little chocolate shavings. Oh my
1: goodness. Beautiful.
0: This recipe guys, as well as all of the recipes we talked about today in our classic Christmas dinner will be on the website. Go to southernsistershome.com, click on the blog. Happy Christmas eating. southern sisters radio show it's christmas weekend oh so glad you just remember that joy, just that, that excitement in you when you woke up on Sunday morning? And
1: it was always at like 6 o'clock in the morning Super or something early. way too early, and your parents were like, why are you up? Oh, I
0: know, right? They didn't get it. You're like, Santa's came. I try Come to remember on. that now with my kids, you know, but it's just my happiest Christmas memory, though, I have to tell you. My father was uh, an Army officer. We were stationed in Fairbanks, Alaska. Ooh, okay, so it was cold at Christmas White Christmas up there. for sure. Very white Christmas. <laughs> and um, it, we, we were stationed at Fort Wainwright. That is the Army base mm-hmm. that's up there, and I will never forget it was uh my sixth grade year i was there christmas morning i woke up and i tiptoed down the hallway and i was almost afraid to look around the corner you know because like what if santa didn't come you know uh, i mean he always huh? did but you know there's always that did he really come and i peeked around the corner and there in front of the christmas tree it was like a light from heaven was shining down on my three-story barbie townhouse oh. with working elevator Angels were singing. (laughs) I thought my heart was going to leap out of my chest. And you know, it had the little elevator with a string on the side. You pulled the string Uh and the elevator would go up to the third story. (laughs) Oh, that was the best Christmas gift ever, 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 (laughs) ever. That's all I wanted. I didn't care if I got anything else. Well, guys, this is a fun segment of the Southern Sisters Radio Show today. It is our Southern Sisters Christmas Facts.
1: Some stuff to impress people with at your holiday parties.
0: Yes. Think how wise you're going to seem when you can, you know, to everyone at your Christmas table when you can just share some interesting Christmas facts with them. Right. And see, and then you can also
1: have a Christmas trivia game. Right. And you'll have the upper hand. It's a great idea.
0: Yeah. Let's start with fact number one. You're going to love this one. It's a little gross if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas fact number one, guys, did you know this? The word mistletoe literally means dung twig. Really? D-U-N-G. Yes. Do you know why? Why? The name for mistletoe comes from the fact that mistletoe tends to spring from bird droppings that have fallen on trees, with the seeds having passed through the digestive tract of the birds. Right? At the time the plant was given this name, the people didn't know anything about that, but had observed that mistletoe seemed to spring into existence from bird droppings on trees, thus mistletoe. Or missile, M-I-S-S-E-L, which meant basically dung, right? Oh. And toe, T-O-E, which came from the Anglo-Saxon tan, meaning twig, hence mistletoe. Right. twig. Yeah. So basically, oh mistletoe is, basically, mistletoe is another way essentially to say poop twig.
1: So basically,
0: <laughs> hold it
1: very, very high above your head. When Isn't that awful? It, it kind of makes me
0: not think of it the same way anymore.
1: <laughs> it really loses some of its, its glamour. Kind of gross. Kiss me under
0: the poop twig, please. <laughs> so not only is mistletoe a poop twig, oh yes, but <clears throat> most varieties of this plant are partial parasites being unable to sustain themselves on their own. Right. They can't live on their own photosynthesis so they yeah. leech on to what they need from the particular tree they are growing on so essentially the mistletoe tradition is a tra- tradition of kissing under a parasitic poop twig <laughs> You know what, Nick? I put the gross one first so but, we can move on to the nicer but ones I after that. I guarantee
1: you, everyone listening is still going to kiss under the missiles. I know they will. They will. Listen, guys, I have
0: to tell my listeners. If you share the story of the poop twig at your Christmas table, I want you to email me and tell me about it. I want to know the or reaction. You better yet, video the reaction on your phone. Please there you do. Go. Email me at radio at southern sisters home dot com. I want to hear the reactions. Number two fact, right? Rudolph the red nosed reindeer was created by the department store chain. Montgomery Ward. Really? Did you know that? Hmm. The year was 1939. Montgomery Ward at that time gave away promotional coloring books to try to get more shoppers in their stores during the holiday season. Now, up to this point, they simply bought these coloring books to give away. But in 1939, in order to save on the price of books, they decided to try to make their own. They then had Robert L. May, who was a copywriter for Montgomery Ward in Chicago, write them a short Christmas story to be used for this promotional coloring book. May was very small as a child and was often picked on, so decided to make it an ugly duckling type of tale, which he wrote in the same verse as "Twas the night before Christmas, right? The same, I guess, oh. cadence, you'd call it. It was then illustrated by Denver Gillen, who worked at Montgomery Ward's art department and was a friend of May's. How about that? <laughs> That's awesome. That's the history of the story. That's cool. Fact number three, a Jewish man wrote Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree and a few other classic Christmas songs. How about hmm. that? The man was Johnny Marks. Interestingly, he was also the brother-in-law of Robert L. May, who wrote, as you recall, <laughs> Rudolph. They were all in this together. Despite being Jewish, Johnny Marks wrote such Christmas song Staples, as Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, A Holly Jolly Christmas, Run, Rudolph Run. I love that <laughs> A Holly Jolly Christmas, and on and on. What do you know? Huh. See, everybody
1: can get in the Christmas spirit. Everybody no can
0: contribute. That's right. right. <laughs> How about uh, interesting Southern sister Christmas fact number five. The song Jingle Bells is thought to have been written for a Thanksgiving school a Thanksgiving Sunday school program. Jingle Hmm. Bells was originally called One Horse Open Sleigh and was written by James Pierpont Pierpont, sometime between 1853 and 1857. Now, at the time, Pierpont was working as an organist and music director in Savannah, Georgia. I love the Southern connection. (laughs) Pierpont was hired on by his brother, John Pierpont Jr., who was the reverend there after James's business in San Francisco burned down. It was here that he composed... One Horse Open sleigh, reportedly for a Thanksgiving program. He later publicly released the song through Ditson and Company of Boston in 1857, but it was not terribly popular. Pierpont tried again to release it in 1859 under the new title, Jingle Bells, with it once again flopping. However, from there, it did slowly gain in popularity and became associated with Christmas rather than just as a general sleigh song. By 1890, three years before Pierpont's death, The song had become a huge Christmas hit. And from 1890 to 1954, it managed to maintain a spot on the top 25 most recorded songs in the world.
1: Wow. Now, what
0: I love about that story is it took him three times. He failed basically, flopped (laughs) twice, right? If at first you don't succeed with your Christmas jingle, (laughs) try, try again. (laughs) I love it. I'm just
1: glad he got to see it rise in popularity before though, he passed. There are a lot of folks that unfortunately don't get to see
0: that. I know, right? What happens after Van fact, Gogh, so. for example, yep. right? Christmas fact number six. How about this one? Jingle bells was the first song sung in space. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Guys, impress your your Christmas guests with this little factoid. On December 16th, 1965, astronauts Tom Stafford and Wally Shearer on Gemini Six sent the following message to Mission Control. Quote we have an object. Looks like a satellite going from north to south, probably in polar orbit. I see a command module and eight smaller modules in front. A pilot of the command module is wearing a red suit. <laughs> Unquote. The two then proceeded to sing the first ever song broadcast from space, Jingle Bells, with a harmonica and bells accompanying, both of which they had secretly smuggled aboard. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting fact number seven, right? In the original TV uh, adaptation, Rudolph never helps the toys on the island of Misfit Toys. Hmm. Do you remember that part of the yes, story I in the do. show? In that original version, once Rudolph and company leave the island, they never actually bother to help the toys, despite the promise to do so. Oh, wow. This resulted in numerous complaints that Rudolph broke his promise, oh, my right? God. The viewers. So a new <laughs> scene was added to the end where Rudolph leads Santa to the island to collect the toys.
1: Oh, wow. Happy
0: ending after, (laughs) happy ending after all. I love that, actually. Folks, email us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. We always love to hear from our listeners. Radio at SouthernSistersHome.com Music
1: sister's radio show now with your southern narrative sharing stories from around the south here is your host Jenny McCormick Earhart
0: a Christmas memory by Truman Capote imagine a morning in late November a coming of winter morning more than 20 years ago consider the kitchen of a spreading old house in a country town a great black stove is its main feature But there is also a big round table and a fireplace with two rocking chairs placed in front of it. Just today the fireplace commenced its seasonal roar. A woman with shorn white hair is standing at the kitchen window. She is wearing tennis shoes and a shapeless gray sweater over a summery calico dress. She is small and sprightly, like a bantam hen. But due to long, youthful illness, her shoulders are pitifully hunched. Her face is remarkable. Not unlike Lincoln's, craggy like that, and tinted by sun and wind. But it is delicate, too, finely boned, and her eyes are sherry-colored and timid. "'Oh, my!' she exclaims, her breath smoking the windowpane. "'It's fruitcake weather!' The person to whom she is speaking is myself. I am seven. She is sixty-something. We are cousins, very distant ones, and we have lived together, well, as long as I can remember— Other people inhabit the house, relatives, and though they have power over us and frequently make us cry, we are not, on the whole, too much aware of them. We are each other's best friend. She calls me Buddy in memory of a boy who was formerly her best friend. The other Buddy died in the 1880s when she was still a child. She is still a child. I knew it before I got out of bed, she says, turning away from the window with a purposeful excitement in her eyes. The courthouse bell sounded so cold and clear, and there were no birds singing. They've gone to warmer country, yes, indeed. Oh, buddy, stop stuffing biscuit and fetch our buggy. Help me find my hat. We have 30 cakes to bake. It's always the same. A morning arrives in November, and my friend, as though officially inaugurating the Christmas time of year that exhilarates her imagination and fuels the blaze of her heart, announces, It's fruitcake weather. Fetch our buggy. Help me find my hat. The hat is found, a straw cartwheel corsaged with velvet roses out of doors has faded. It once belonged to a more fashionable relative. Together we guide our buggy, a dilapidated baby carriage, out to the garden and into a grove of pecan trees. The buggy is mine, that is, it was bought for me when I was born. It is made of wicker rather unraveled and the wheels wobble like a drunkard's legs. But it is a faithful object. Springtimes, we take it to the woods and fill it with flowers, herbs, wild fern for our porch pots. In the summer, we pile it with picnic paraphernalia and sugarcane fishing poles and roll it down to the edge of a creek. It has its winter uses, too, as a truck for hauling firewood from the yard to the kitchen, as a warm bed for Queenie, our tough little orange and white rat terrier who has survived distemper and two rattlesnake bites. Queenie is trotting beside it now. Three hours later, we are back in the kitchen, hauling a heaping buggy load of windfall pecans. Our backs hurt from gathering them, how hard they were to find. The main crop having been shaken off the trees and sold by the orchard's owners, who are not us. Among the concealing leaves, the frosted, deceiving grass, crackle. A cheery crunch scrapes of miniature thunder sound as the shells collapse and the green, golden mound of sweet, oily, ivory meat mounts in the milk glass bowl. Queenie begs to taste, and now and again my friend sneaks her a mite, though insisting we deprive ourselves. We mustn't, buddy. If we start, we won't stop, and there's scarcely enough, as there is, for 30 cakes. The kitchen is growing dark. Dusk turns the window into a mirror. Our reflections mingle with the rising moon as we work by the fireside in the firelight. At last, when the moon is quite high, we toss the final hull into the fire, and with joined sighs we watch it catch flame. The buggy is empty. The bowl is brimful. We eat our supper, cold biscuits, bacon, blackberry jam, and discuss tomorrow. Tomorrow, the kind of work I like begins. Buying. Cherries and citron, ginger and vanilla and canned Hawaiian pineapple, rinds and raisins, and walnuts and whiskey, and oh so much flour, butter, and so many eggs, spices, flavorings. Why, we'll need a pony to pull that buggy home. But one way and another, we do each year accumulate Christmas savings, a fruitcake fund. These monies we keep hidden in an ancient bead purse under a loose board, under the floor, under the chamber pot, under my friend's bed. The purse is seldom removed from the safe location except to make a deposit or, as happens every Saturday, a withdrawal. For on Saturdays, I am allowed 10 cents to go to the picture show. My friend has never been to a picture show, nor does she intend to. I'd rather hear you tell the story, buddy. That way I can imagine it more. Besides, a person my age shouldn't squander their eyes. When the Lord comes, let me see him clear." In addition to never having seen a movie, she has never eaten in a restaurant, traveled more than five miles from home, received or sent a telegram, read anything except funny papers and the Bible, worn cosmetics, cursed, wished someone harm, told a lie on purpose, Or let a hungry dog go hungry. Here are a few things she has done and still does do. Killed with a hoe, the biggest rattlesnake ever seen in this county. Dip snuff, secretly. Tame hummingbirds, just try it. Till they balance on her finger. Tell ghost stories, we both believe in ghosts. So tingling that they chill you in July. Talk to herself, take walks in the rain, grow the prettiest japonicas in town. Know the recipe for every sort of old-time Indian cure, including a magical wart remover. Now, with supper finished, we retire to the room in a faraway part of the house where my friend sleeps in a scrap quilt-covered iron bed, painted rose pink, her favorite color. Silently, wallowing in the pleasures of conspiracy, we take the bead purse from its secret place and spill its contents on the scrap quilt. Dollar bills tightly rolled and green as May buds, somber 50-cent pieces heavy enough to weight a dead man's eyes. Lovely dimes, the liveliest coin, the one that really jingles. Nickels and quarters worn smooth as creek pebbles, but mostly a hateful heap of bitter-colored pennies. Last summer, others in the house contracted to pay us a penny for every 25 flies we killed. Yet it was not work in which we took pride. And as we sit counting pennies, it is as though we were back tabulating dead flies. Neither of us had a head for figures. We count slowly, lose track, start again— According to her calculations, we have $12.73. According to mine, exactly $13. We can't mess around with $13. The cakes will fall or put somebody in the cemetery. Why, I wouldn't dream out of getting out of bed on the 13th. This is true. My friend always spends the 13th in bed. So to be on the safe side, we subtract a penny and toss it out the window. Black stove stoked with coal and firewood glows like a lighted pumpkin. Egg beaters whirl. Spoons spin round in bowls of butter and sugar. Vanilla sweetens the air. Ginger spices it. Melting, nose tingling odors saturate the kitchen. Throughout the house, drift out to the world on puffs of chimney smoke. In four days, our work is done. 31 cakes, dampened with whiskey, bask on windowsills and shelves. By and by, we begin to sing. The two of us singing different songs simultaneously. I don't know the words to mine. Just come on along, come on along to the dark town ball. But I can dance. That's what I mean to be—a tap dancer in the movies. My dancing shadow rollicks on the walls. Our voices rock the china ware. We giggle as if unseen hands were tickling us. Queenie rolls on her back. Her paws plow the air. Something like a grin stretches across her black lips. Inside myself, I feel warm and sparky as those crumbling logs, carefree as the wind in the chimney. My friend waltzes round the stove, the hem of her poor calico skirt pinched between her fingers as though it were a party dress. Show me the way to go home, she sings, her tennis shoes squeaking on the floor. Show me the way to go home. A trunk in the attic contains ornaments for the tree, a shoebox of ermine tails, Coils of frazzled tinsel gone gold with age One silver star A brief rope of dilapidated, undoubtedly dangerous light bulbs Excellent decorations as far as they go, which isn't very far My friend wants our tree to blaze like a Baptist window Droop with weighty snows of ornament But we can't afford the made-in-Japan splendors at the five-and-dime store So we do what we've always done Sit for days at the kitchen table with scissors and crayons and stacks of colored paper I make sketches and my friend cuts them out Lots of cats, fish too because they're easy to draw. Some apples, some watermelons, a few winged angels devised from saved up sheets of Hershey bar foil. We use safety pins to attach these creations to the tree, and as a final touch, we sprinkle the branches with shredded cotton, picked in August for this very purpose. My friend surveying the effect clasps her hands together. Now honest buddy, doesn't it look good enough to eat? Queenie tries to eat an angel. After weaving and ribboning holly leaves for all the front windows, our next project is the fashioning of family gifts. Tie-dye scarves for the ladies, for the men a home-brewed lemon and licorice and aspirin syrup to be taken at the first symptoms of a cold and after hunting. But when it comes time for making each other's gift, my friend and I separate to work secretly. I would like to buy her a pearl-handled knife, a radio, a whole pound of chocolate-covered cherries. Instead, I am building her a kite. She would like to give me a bicycle. She said so on several million occasions. If only I could, buddy. It's bad enough in life to do without something you want, but confound it! what gets my goat is not being able to give somebody something you want them to have. Only one of these days I will, buddy. Locate you a bike. Don't ask how. Steal it, maybe. Instead, I'm fairly certain that she is building me a kite, the same as last year and the year before. The year before that, we exchanged slingshots, all of which is fine by me. For we are champion kite flyers who study the wind like sailors. My friend, more accomplished than I, can get a kite aloft when there isn't enough breeze to carry clouds. Christmas Eve afternoon, we scrape together a nickel and go to the butchers to buy Queenie's traditional gift, a good, noble beef bone. The bone, wrapped in funny paper, is placed high in the tree near the silver star. Queenie knows it's there. She squats at the foot of the tree, staring up in a trance of greed. When bedtime arrives, she refuses to budge. Her excitement is equaled by my own. I kick the covers and turn my pillow as though it were a scorching hot summer's evening. Somewhere a rooster crows, falsely, for the sun is still on the other side of the world. Buddy, are you awake? It is my friend calling from her room, which is next to mine, and an instant later she is sitting on my bed holding a candle. Well, I can't sleep a hoot, she declares. My mind's jumping like a jackrabbit. We huddle in the bed and she squeezes my hand. I love you. Seems like your hand used to be so much smaller. I guess I hate to see you grow up. When you're grown up, will we still be friends? I say always. But I feel so bad, buddy. I wanted so bad to give you a bike. I tried to sell my cameo Papa gave me. Buddy, she hesitates as though embarrassed. I made you another kite. Then I confess that I made her one too. And we laugh. The candle burns too short to hold. Out it goes, exposing the starlight. The star is spinning at the window like a visible caroling. That slowly, slowly, daybreak silences. First, a gorgeous breakfast, just everything you can imagine from flapjacks and fried squirrel to hominy grits and honey in the comb, which puts everyone in a good humor, except my friend and I. Frankly, we're so impatient to get at the presents we can't eat a mouthful. Well, I'm disappointed. Who wouldn't be? With socks, a Sunday school shirt, some handkerchiefs, a hand me down sweater, and a year's subscription to a religious magazine for children, The Little Shepherd it makes me boil. It really does. My friend has a better haul. She is proudest of a white wool shawl knitted by her married sister. And she says her favorite gift is the kite I built her. And it is very beautiful. Though not as beautiful as the one she made me, which is blue and scattered with golden green good conduct stars. Moreover, my name is painted on it, Buddy. Buddy, the wind is blowing. The wind is blowing, and nothing will do till we've run to a pasture below the house where Queenie has scooted to bury her bone. There, plunging through the healthy, waist high grass, we unreel our kites, feel them twitching at the string like a skyfish as they swim into the wind. Satisfied, sun warmed, we sprawl in the grass. Soon I forget the socks and hand me down sweater. I'm as happy as I've ever been. My, how foolish I am! My friend cries, suddenly alert, like a woman remembering too late she has biscuits in the oven. "'You know what I've always thought?' she asks in a tone of discovery, and not smiling at me, but a point beyond. "'I've always thought a body would have to be sick and dying before they saw the Lord. And I imagined that when he came, it would be looking like at a Baptist window, prettiest colored glass with the sun pouring through. Such a shine you don't know it's getting dark. And it's been a comfort to think of that shine taking away all the spooky feeling. But I'll wager it never happens.' I'll wager at the very end, a body realizes the Lord has already shown himself that things as they are. Her hand circles in a gesture that gathers clouds and kites and grass and Queenie pawing earth over her bone. Just what they've always seen was seeing him. As for me, I could leave the world with today in my eyes. Merry Christmas, everyone. We just can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Southern Sisters Radio Show. I just wish you a blessed, wonderful holiday season. Um, You know, just enjoy the time with your family. And remember how thankful we are that you join us here every Saturday. Don't forget the free cookbook giveaway. Yes. All you got to do, email us at radio at southern Let me know you'd like a cookbook. We're giving away four this weekend. Four
1: in the you Christmas can, spirit.
0: That's mm-hmm. right. You can catch all the recipes we talked about on the website, southernsistershome.com. Click on the blog. Have a blessed and wonderful Christmas.